the market is saturated, but I don't think that's a bad thing, honestly. I think I think the more the merrier. Like entertainment is great and everybody needs it and we need new entertainment all the time. So everyone thinks of it as like this dog eat dog world and like it doesn't have to be like that. All of us, you know, we're peers, we're working together. We're fans will read two comics, you know, three comics, four comics. They're not gonna stop. <laughs> Welcome to the Under the Mask Podcast, where we discuss the super process behind superheroes. Not just superheroes, aliens, horror, thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics from the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Colomb has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you're in the right place. This is the Under the Mask Podcast, and this is Bill Colomb. Under the Mask Podcast, episode 45. If this episode's title didn't give it away for you, this is another international episode where I'm speaking with a creator that I'm proud to call a friend. My guest today is an American comic book writer and artist currently living in Kushima, Japan. She's the creator of Maiden in Disguise, a comic following a young gamer girl and her famous avatar. Maiden in Disguise is live on Kickstarter through March 9th. You can support it by visiting www.maidenindisguise.com or just follow the link in the show notes. I'd like to introduce Bitsy Tandem. Bitsy, thank you so much for coming in and talking with me today. Thanks, Bill. It's great to be here. <laughs> uh, well, Bitsy, the first thing I want to ask you, like I ask all my guests, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and how did you get to be here today? Well, I've always been a weird little short girl who's, and I was always a big daydreamer and I create these like stories and stuff in my head and I'm like, I tell these stories one day and it eventually just started to work. But yeah, I, I kind of identify as an alien because I've never felt like I fit in anywhere. Thankfully, I found a fellow alien in my husband and we've been just rolling with it ever since. So Bitsy, how long have you been drawing for? Uh, I started drawing um, in ninth grade, so 2009, yeah, in high school. And uh, I was taking art classes and I was awful at it. So it's been a long journey learning how to draw and it was like, Never that thing that I just like came naturally to me. It was always funny because I sat next to the like really fantastic, um, what's it called, talented artist in class. And he would just whip out these gorgeous flowers and illustrations. And I'm like making manga stick figures. Like I wrote a story about this one. <laughs> but after four years of high school, I started to self-teach. I was thinking about going to college for art, but it just wasn't in the budget. Um, so I just taught myself back when YouTube really only had Draw with Jazza and I couldn't find a good anatomy book to save my life. <laughs> and here we are, uh, shoot, five, ten, ten years later. 
And after all that self-learning and practice, when do you feel that you meet, made the leap from amateur to professional or semi-professional? Uh, thankfully, I can say that that happened last January. Uh, it felt like all of the previous years finally caught up to me. And I can't believe it took that long, honestly. It took like forever. But last January, it just like all hit me at once. And I, I did a couple painterly style classes and they just clicked and I understood it and my illustration just jumped right out of the water so that's half the reason we're kind of redoing the book is because the art that I can produce now is like 10 times better than anything I could do in 2019 or before so it's like last year <laughs> it's brand new but it's great. And of course, the artwork, most of the artwork that you do uh, goes towards your self-published series, Maiden in Disguise. Uh, let's talk about Maiden yes. in Disguise. It's live on Kickstarter right now. It's going through March 10th. Everyone listening, if you want to support Maiden in Disguise, uh, you can go to maidenindisguise.com and check out the Kickstarter. What's the quick pitch for Maiden in Disguise? And let's talk about it. So it is a two-part story following a gamer girl and her video game character. The simultaneous storylines are both equally important because it's her coming of age as she plays like this highly powerful, famous half-dragon man and struggling with her personal anxieties and being like a small, not very girly girl who doesn't really know where she fits in the world yet. But on the flip side, the story of the character in the game, he has to rise to the challenges put in, in front of him. It's very much a real thing for the game characters, like it's their own life in their own universe because it's a high role play server. So she has to be that person. It's kind of really cool having like these two characters have separate storylines that they like they overlap, but they're very much two different people at the same time. So it's kind of crazy. It's like a it's like a intelligent twist on a slice of life comic because you've got like so many layers going on. <laughs> what was the initial inspiration for the book series? So I started it in 2013-ish. Uh, and at that point, the inspiration was girl gamers get a lot of flack. And I want to make a professional girl gamer who is way stronger than all of the boys. And they don't even realize she's a girl. And then when they find out, it's like, whoa. But it has changed since then. <laughs> uh, because... Thankfully, as the years have gone on, being a girl gamer isn't that insane of a concept anymore. Like, we still get a little flack, and there's definitely still harassment, which is not okay. But as a whole, girl gamers are accepted, there's professionals, they're around, <laughs> and it's not, you know, too crazy. So now it's more of a, like I said, a, like finding herself, and I really want to show the growth of a and character development of somebody who doesn't really know who they are when when they're in the real world and only knows who they are when they're playing a video game. And so it's more more of like a higher concept now, I guess. And my inspiration for that is kind of my own journey as a person growing from a very awkward and scared and angry boyish teenager to you know, someone who has accepted her oddities and feels comfortable in herself now. And I want to show, you know, that journey so that other people can be, get 
like maybe some inspiration or feeling feel uplifted to continue their own journey and maybe find a way to love themselves too. And I just wanted to follow up on this because actually having known you for a while, we've never really talked games. Uh, what games do you play? Oh, well, I grew up playing Morrowind and then Oblivion when it came out. And those are still my all-time favorites. Skyrim is also pretty dope. And then my entire high school career was very hardcore World of Warcraft. I'd go home, I'd eat a couple pizza pockets, and I would play World of Warcraft until somebody yelled at me. <laughs> ah, those were the days. <laughs> But I really love RPGs. That's where my heart is. Yeah, I consider myself a very casual gamer. I did actually consider myself to be a pretty hardcore gamer for quite a while. And I would still be if I didn't have a comic book sucking up my entire life. How has being a gamer affected you as a comic book creator? Well, I would say all of my main stories I have planned for now and the future are based around people who are at least avid video game players if not professional gamers and it's just one of those trends where i can't seem to break it it's just like i love video games too much to not have my characters love them too so it's definitely influenced it in that way and part of the goal of you know being an entertainment company is to one day make a video game and that's a long way away, you know, obviously, but it is definitely a goal. And whether we get there in my lifetime or not, kind of up to the journey, but, but I would love to have a video game. We want the game in Maiden in Disguise. It's called Luminarion Legend of Worlds. We really want to make that a tabletop game soon. I've been trying to get that Kickstarter going for the past two years, and it just keeps getting pushed Back, keeps getting on hold. It's hard to find writers and people who want to get on a project with you when it's, you know, kind of a big project and it'd need a lot of cash income to pay all those people. So it's just one thing after another. But after the tabletop game, I am going to pitch to studios and it's going to be a real game one day. <laughs> so it's a big driving factor. Yeah. And I wanted to get back to uh, Maiden of Disguise for a little bit and uh, talking about your process with creating it, uh, writing it, and then drawing the story. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your process. How do you take a scene and flesh it out from original idea to finished comic page? So I usually start with a, um, a written script very similar to a screenplay. I don't know why. I just tend to write in that style. And so recently I've been accepting it more and more and kind of learning a bit more about good screenplays. So I'll take my, my little screenplay because I don't, I don't like doing it panel, panel, panel. I kind of just feel where the panel should be. So I'll read it and I'll just look at the blank page and I'm like, okay, what should be what panel? How is this going to look? And uh, eventually I'll throw a couple panels on there do a couple like I'll either type in or do like stick figure drawings of like this is what needs to happen in this panel so I don't forget when I come through and do the final sketch and I'll try and do that for the whole chapter or two chapters at a time would be nice <laughs> and um and then I go through and sketch the whole thing so I'll pull up like some some cute references of facial expressions and use like some fun just I don't know ideas and stuff and get some sketches going and then I have my assistant assistant bean who is my husband <laughs> come through and give it that critical eye and smack me and be like none of this is right yeah he does not he does not smack me he just verbally smacks me <laughs> 
I say he's full of editorial rage because he's like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Nothing is ever good enough. <laughs> but it's good because it forces me to do better. And then I go through and I change what needs to be changed. And then I go into ink it and color it. And I do it all at the same time. So ink, 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 ink. Then I'll color Elion as the main character's hair throughout the whole chapter. Then I'll color her skin throughout the whole chapter. Then I'll do it for everybody else. And it is a long process. It takes at least a full month to get out one short episode chapter thing it'd be nice to speed that process up <laughs> so you write your script like a screenplay so it's not a full script that's written out you know panel by panel by panel uh it's just kind of hey this it's more like the marvel method this happens this is what's the dialogue's gonna be and then you flesh it out just kind of as you go mm -hmm. along yeah kind of see it cinematically in my head so i describe the scene and then i'll describe what each person is doing as they speak but it's mostly like Action speaking, action speaking, scene, action speaking, action speaking. So, yeah, because I, I don't, I just can't see it in like the panel by panel. I think that's, I think that's more of a technical brain and I really don't have a technical brain. Yeah, I've, I've started working with another artist to do a different story altogether. And, and I've been like talking with them about how to give them the script and they're like, can you do the panel by panel. I'm like, I really can't. It'd be easier for me to just make the panels after I make the script and send you both. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's, yeah, it's just like, I see it cinematically. So it just kind of tells cinematically. It's just interesting talking to uh, several different writers and asking them, hey, do you write, you know, a full script versus the Marvel method? Or uh, even myself in a, in a script, I may write certain pages specifically panel by panel by panel. But then I might have uh, for my artist, I tr really trust them for fight scenes. So I might just say, hey, they fight for two pages. Yeah, that's. It's kind of how my fight scenes are too. It's like, we need some action. And then I'll be like, hey, hey, Bean, hey, Aaron, what should they do here? Who's punching who? How, how hard should they be punching? I don't know. It's a fight scene. Just have them fight. Yeah. So I kind of do that a little bit. But unless there's something specific, there's like, okay, this, this is the final battle and it needs to go this, 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 this. So I'll put in like the beats, kind of guide it. But yeah, yeah mostly dialogue and facial expressions. <laughs> What are you excited about with this launch of Maiden in Disguise? Ooh, that's easy. I am so excited to finally have a book published in Japanese. That's like the biggest, like the main reason we're doing the Kickstarter is to get it published in Japanese. And like, I have friends here and they, they look at my art and they're like, I love your art, but I can't read your book. And it just sucks. And I can't wait to walk up and be like, here you go physical book gifto <laughs> and just see them like finally understand what I do for a living well I don't get a living off of it but I certainly do it as I'm living <laughs> so I'm just, yeah I'm so excited for that and I've got some friends all around Japan some of them are supporting the Kickstarter already and they're going to put my books into their local libraries we're gonna get one into my library here and it's just I can't wait I can't wait I'm so excited because I just feel like Japan needs this story, you know, of like finding yourself and accepting yourself and your differences, because there's the kind of oppressive and depressive, which is really sad. And right now in Japan, the market is flooded with fluff, like trash waifus. Like it's just, 
it's really popular to be a, a fake anime scene group and there's tons of them you walk into an anime store and all you find is pop groups and i'm like none of this has any substance they're cute and they're singing great like i don't mind that once in a while but i'm like yeah yeah y'all need some meat in your life <laughs> some real substance out of a story so really want to break into that industry that yeah get get it in japan get it in japanese i'm really excited and that's a great segue to the next stuff that i wanted to talk about uh because you're actually my first creator that i've had on who actually resides in japan oh yeah <laughs> uh, so i just wanted to talk to you a little bit about kind of your personal experience uh, out in japan what made you decide to uh, leave the states and go there and how has it affected your creative output so I never liked America growing up. It was always like, none of you people understand me. Like, I am not your normal American girl. And I felt like there was always a lot of pressure to be that blonde hair, blue eyed, popular, you know, pumpkin spice girl. And I hated it. I just hated being there. It was like, it just felt wrong. So I've always kind of wanted to, to come to Japan. Uh, the reasons have changed. When I was five, it was because the ninjas lived here. Then I wanted to be a samurai and so on and so forth. <laughs> but yeah, I've always had an obsession with Japan. And so we had the opportunity to get on the JET program, which is the Japanese English Teaching Exchange. And uh, we applied one year and didn't get in. And then we applied again and we got in the second time. They place you where they want you, so you don't get a say in that, which is really unnerving. Um, so we spent a good, like, three months biting our nails. Like, I don't know where I'm going to be. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't Google this place because we don't know. And it was incredibly nerve-wracking and really hard on my body. But after getting here, it's like, it's just life. They're just people living life. And I feel very freed being in Japan as opposed to America because they do just accept me for who I am. Part of that is because I'm a foreigner and so they don't have the high standards that they would if you were a Japanese person, but it's great. Like you walk around town and part of being in a small town too is like, we're, we're like the jungle animals. Everyone's like, ooh, ah, look at them. And but they're really friendly here. They're really nice and really accepting. Like they just accept that I, you know, wear weird clothes and say weird things. And they'll come up and grab my cheeks and be like, Kao kawaii. <laughs> and it's just great. It's really fun. It's nice to not have to have any standards except for being nice, being an ambassador of English language. So it's definitely been great for that. What was the other question? Uh, how has living in Japan affected your creative output? Ah, yes. So it has definitely affected it because, you know, before I moved here, I just assumed, you know, you could pretty much Google translate things and it would work. And, and I wasn't really sure like what would be offensive and what wouldn't. And so it's always kind of like dancing on that line. And now it's like, okay, Google translate will not get you where you need to go all the time. So be careful. <laughs> and usually they are more apt to forgive a mistake than you think. So if you're, you know, if you're honest and you're like, hey, I, I want my book to have like this theme, is that okay? And they'll be like, yeah, of course, we love sharing our culture. Like I, I used to think like wearing a kimono in public was like, you can't do that. You have to be Japanese to do that. No, they love it. They, they love seeing you, you know, 
adventuring into their culture, even if you're doing it wrong. So it's been really, once again, freeing. Uh, and it's been really great to be here. And and it's definitely influenced a lot of the rewriting of Maiden in Disguise and a lot of more aesthetic things here and there. And it it's super helpful, too, because I can just like I've got another co- story concept about a girl who is kind of like a samurai, but I'm calling it something else because my planet Eotera is not Earth. And so like once I've got some of that ready, I can just bring it out to my friends and be like, hey, guys, can you, you know, Give me the A-OK on this. Is this all right? I don't want to offend anybody. And it's just really nice to have like that community of people who are, who are just so open and willing to accept you and see what you're doing. And yeah. What are the differences between the comics or manga scene in America versus over in Japan? Uh, there's yeah, there's definitely a difference. So in America, the um, there's a lot of like segregation, I would say, like you're either in this box or you're in that box or you're in that box. And here, like manga is comics. There's it's the same thing. Like, I'm sure you can find somebody who will be like, manga is only Japanese, but I haven't. <laughs> Everybody I've met is like, oh, yeah, you do do manga, don't you? His, it's just a comic book. Like it's it's all the same thing to them. There is one distinction. There's actual comics and manga that are published and actual canon, and then there's doujinshi, which is everything that is fan made. And they only have cons for doujinshi, but like as an independent creator, I can still get a booth. But usually, when you go to a comic con, you're not interacting with the creators of like bleach or one piece or anything like that usually it's fans who have made a uh, smutty fan fiction about <laughs> bleach and one piece <laughs> and uh so you have your yeah your comic head so if you're looking for comic cons you won't find any able to be like oh there's going to be one in fukuoka and one here one there i haven't been able to go to one because of the rona <laughs> um yeah, for, uh, for obvious reasons right <laughs> One thing that has been really weird here in Japan is they have announcements that go on over intercoms. So, like, you'll just be sitting around in the house and these air raid sirens will pop on with, like, the people from City Hall saying, like, Corona Iud, Iud Esu. I can't, I can't say it right. I don't know what he's saying. But he's like, Kansen Kakudai Mononai. <laughs> don't, don't do things. <laughs> so, every day there's an announcement and... Sometimes they'll like test the sirens and stuff. And it just freaks me out every time. I'm like, what the heck? Why is this happening? Stop scaring me. What does the future hold for Bitsy Tandem and Maiden in Disguise? Ooh, well, I have hopes. (laughs) They're quite high. (laughs) I have a tendency of dreaming very big. So hopefully this year we will blow this Kickstarter out of the water. I'm really hoping for 200% because if I do that, I can work with, um, I've been talking with a company who can replicate my art style. So I'd send them the sketched pages and they would finish it. And so I'd send them every other chapter. So if we can get 200%, I can delegate a good amount of cash to having them help me. And we'll have the book out by uh, summer. And then we'll have book two out by winter. That would be fantastic to get both books out this year. And then after that, you know, if we can keep that pace up, two books a year would be dope. And I'm also having that same company work on a different project. You'll probably see that Kickstarter launching uh, this summer. It'll be a smaller one than this one, but uh, it's for a 
Eoterran historical comic. So Eoterra is the planet all of my stories take place on. We've got our own multiverse. You can learn more at eoterra.com, which should be out within the next week or so. And um, so we're doing like a historical steampunk comic, and I'm so excited for that. So hopefully you'll start seeing chapters of that coming out after the launch of that this summer. Um, and then, yeah, I'm working with that other person for the samurai type one. So just more, so much more. I'm so ready to have more things going on than just Maiden in Disguise. Because I rebranded a little bit and registered as like an official company for Eoterra Entertainment. And it's like, I want to build an entertainment company. It's not it's not just me. I want to do something so much bigger, like with the video game and stuff. So, so more comics, more things. If we can get animations in the next five years, I'd love to start an anime series. Definitely want that tabletop game to come out in the next five years. After that, who knows? <laughs> Sky's the limit. Bitsy, what have been the biggest obstacles or challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? Um, so definitely art was a huge obstacle for many, many years. It was never good enough and it was never what I saw in my head. And so it took it took so much longer than I expected to learn how to do art well. And that has been a huge obstacle and really hard mentally too, because it's like, there's nothing like making something and it takes all day and you're just not happy with it every single time. So it was really de like defeating me for a long time. Other than that, the hardest thing would be social media interacting with fans. Fans kind of legitimately scare me. I'm uh, I'm not very social. I'm good talking to people who get like what I do, like peers. Like I can talk to you because you understand the struggle, but fans don't understand the struggle a lot of the times. And so I'm very scared to to be myself and reach out to like places on Reddit and stuff. And I just can't bring myself to talk to people online very much. It's very difficult, big struggle. I just want to hide in my hole and draw. Okay. <laughs> Those are probably my two biggest struggles. I think part of that might delve into uh, just the differences between a fan and a peer, uh, just because mm -hmm. to, to pick up your book, to read your book and as, as a comic, it's probably, and yours, uh, your first volume is actually longer than your average comic. It's probably a hundred pages or so, mm -hmm. but even then you can read through it in probably 30 minutes to an hour. Right. But, a fan isn't going to see the hours and hours and hours that go into actually creating it. Similar to a movie, there's all the principal photography, uh, the pre-production, the post-production. So much stuff that the audience doesn't see, and it ends up being an hour and a half or a two-hour movie. Right, right. Yeah, it's insane how many people are needed for a movie and how long each person has to work for that. It's crazy. Like, the only reason I'm doing comics is because I can't... I just... There's no way I could like make an animated series right now. There's just not even possible because it's so much work. You, you don't realize like it took five years to make something or, you know, I've, I've met people who've like, this is my entire life. I've spent 10 years creating this. And I'm like, wow, the market is saturated, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Honestly, I think, I think the more the merrier, like, entertainment is great and everybody needs it and we need new entertainment all the time so everyone thinks of it as like this dog-eat-dog -dog world and like it doesn't have to be like that all of us you know we're peers we're working together we fans will read two comics you know three comics four comics they're not gonna stop <laughs> so i think it's great that they're coming and you know getting their 
creations out there, even if it's not in the way they wanted originally. And uh, kind of going off that last question, what do you feel has been your biggest creative mistake? Um, hmm, that's a difficult one. Like creative mistake. Well, going on hiatus, obviously, any hiatus, hiatuses kill you. I went on a really long one because of the move to Japan. And I had a good reader base before that. They're all gone. Everybody's gone. I wish I would have kept updating them. I wish I would have forced myself to do some art or something to show them. I was just so dead. It was hard. And now they're all gone. And I'm like, guys, (laughs) hi, I'm still alive. Please come back. I love you. That's definitely one of the bigger mistakes was going on a very long hiatus. I can't think of anything else specific creatively like that's huge because because it's all kind of messy like my my first couple books I mean they're they're messy they're I wouldn't call them mistakes or failures but I made a lot of mistakes and failures along the journey because I didn't know what I was doing I was learning back then and it's and I think it's okay so I wouldn't consider that a mistake at all I think that's I needed to do that so it was necessary to get where we are now which is a relaunch and a good, beautiful comic with a much better story and lots and lots of potential. Yeah. And it seems that uh, doing, holding a creative career and especially doing it independently where you're doing everything, almost everything yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of it is based on momentum and you kind of get a little momentum going and then you're good. But it also works when you lose a lot of momentum where you take a hiatus, like you were saying, and then it just, everything stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah just dies it's so crazy like and it's not just you know the comics and stuff it's everything like if you're making videos on youtube or this or that if you take even like a month off you see such a drastic dip people forget about you so quickly so weird well on the flip side of that coin what do you feel has been your best moment my best moment creatively speaking um the probably seeing the last chapter that I just finished for Maiden in Disguise, like all of these chapters, because we're, we're redoing the entire thing. So it's it's, just, it's the same story, but made better. And, um, and it's been fantastic. Like every time I make a chapter, it's, it fills me with so much joy. It's so great. It's like, this is right. This is what I've been seeing in my head. This is, everything has been building to this. So it's been like, it's such a great moment, like being in this, like right now, it's like my comic is gorgeous. The storytelling is way better and it's going to be published in Japanese soon. And it's just like right now is like so good. It's like, yes, it's paying off. So right now is a pretty great moment. <laughs> hmm. If I had to choose one more, I would say being a guest at Portland Comic Con was pretty dope. I uh, applied for a creative like special pass so i didn't have to pay to get in and it was and i gotta like go into the back rooms and eat donuts that was really cool that that definitely changed from like me feeling like an absolute nobody to me feeling like i was important enough in the comic book industry to like not not like important important but like like me as an individual had worth like that that changed that day when i went to portland comic-con and like ate donuts in the back room with like famous people like it was like okay I'm allowed to be here and 
I have some value. And that that was a huge, huge turning point in my career. And that was a few years ago now. And it's not like I became like famous or popular, but it was just like validating because before that I felt like such a fraud and not worth anything. So that was also a pretty big moment. What has been the best advice that you've received? Ah, publish it. <laughs> just publish the dang thing. A comic book store owner who also was a writer gave me that information <laughs> in Bend, Oregon, back little web comic. And I'm like, I, I want to have an actual book, but I don't think it's good enough. And he's like, it will never be good enough. Publish it, move on and make another book because that's the only way you're going to get better. And it's the only thing that will make you feel like you're doing something worth continuing. And that was great advice. Like, I'm so glad I published my first volume, even though I'm remaking it right now. It's just, it needed to happen. If you're making something, make it, put it out somewhere, show people and just continue to finish it, finish it, get it out there. It's never going to be perfect. So that was really great advice. Uh, everyone, uh, Maiden in Disguise, it's live on Kickstarter now through March 10th. You can support it by visiting www.maidenindisguise.com. And Bitsy, where else can we find you online? I try to be everywhere, but uh, I would definitely recommend my Instagram. It's just Bitsy Tandem underscore the Bitser. You don't really need to type that part in. If you put in Bitsy T, I am the first thing that comes up. <laughs> it's really easy to find, like a small bicycle. But um, you can also find me on Facebook if you're into that, or uh, Twitter. I tweet occasionally. I'm not really active on there. Uh, I post daily on Instagram, and I am also on TikTok. <laughs> so if you want to see silly videos about the comics, you can also find me there. And let's see Tandem, super easy to find. Uh, I post everywhere to the actual Kickstarter as well. So if you're interested in just following my page and then swinging over to the Kickstarter, nice and simple, nice and easy for you. I'd love to have you around and drop a comment. Tell me where you're from. I'll say, hey. And we're going to be sure to put all those links in the show notes and description below. Bitsy, thank you again so much for coming out and talking with me today. Yes, thank you for having me, Bill. It's been fun. If you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show, drop us a line at underthemaskshow at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Under the Mask Podcast with Bill Colomb. Welcome to the family. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you've found the right podcast for you. Thanks for listening, and make sure to like or leave a review, and we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two. To reach out, visit us at underthemaskpodcast.com. This has been a presentation of Why Comics. Till next time, this is the Under the Mask Podcast, signing off.